Dear friends in Christ, what do Prince Harry, Elon Musk, T.S. Eliot, Ashley Judd, Matthew McConaughey, Emma Watson, and Hugh Jackman have in common? Anybody can tell me? They're human. <laughs> well, that's the best answer so far. <laughs> well, they all took a gap year to study abroad. Now, I'm pretty much thinking that most of you probably don't know what a gap year is. Well, a gap year is an interim period between typically high school and the first year of college for people to deepen their practical, professional, and and personal awareness. We know it's now mid-June, and high school students have received their diplomas, the seniors, uh, over these past three weeks. And many of them are now on what is called GAP. Now, there's even a a particular organization called the GAP Year Association. And it helps students who want to take a GAP year. And the association emphasizes that a GAP year is not a year off, but it's a year on. And it's really to combat the notion that students are taking a year-long vacation from schooling. Instead, students design their year with specific goals in mind. And they use the time to really gain professional skills, perhaps volunteer for a particular cause, maybe travel the world. And that's just to name a few of the popular ones that you, you see on the screen here. And this is really a critical insight for our discussion today of Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. During a gap year, students are living in the meantime, namely between the end of high school and that beginning of college. And it can be a valuable time, an important time, or it can even be a waste of time. Even in ordinary pre-COVID times that we lived, Harvard University, they had made a practice of encouraging their admitted students to consider deferring admission and to take a gap year. And 20% of the students, of the first-year students, they have now taken them up on that offer. And that's three times the number that usually defer. Well, many, if not most, of these students, they use the year to travel, to experience personal growth, and to prepare for the future. Well, one student after high school, Annabelle, she found herself in what she called a train wreck of her life. She was under pressure from family and friends and teachers to slide right into university life. But Annabelle, she felt that she needed time to become the best version of herself. Well, she took a gap year, and she wrote on a publishing website on the Internet saying, I was able to take singing lessons, play in my alumni and town's band. I was able to produce the high school's music, musical and even act in the play. I didn't have much time aside from work and all this, but in that extra time, I painted and I did makeup artistry. Some people bought my art or paid me to do their faces. If that weren't enough, I went from just your average cashier to being the head of the cosmetic department at Target. And the following year, she enrolled in the theater program at a nearby university. And today she's working at that same university as a staff carpenter in the department. Annabelle's story is not unusual. 
one high school counselor, she said that she knew of a student who had gone to Thailand to work on an elephant preserve. Another who worked for a rugby team in Australia, and one man who went to Denmark and lived with a host family. And that man eventually returned to the United States that next year and ended up at Creighton University. In a sense, gap year kids are living in the meantime. They're living between their past and their future. They're in a time period that they also know will not last forever. Well, the Apostle Paul, he had an interesting take on what we call our life. And for him, his life was a gap life. That is, it was life before life. And Paul writes in that uh, second Corinthians letter there, as long as we are at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. And we would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we're at home in the body or away from it. Paul is living in the meantime. And what does the meantime mean? Well, it's that period of time between now and then. Look at it this way. You're at the airport early. You've gone and you've checked in. You've put your baggage where it needs to be for that. You've paid all the fees and you've cleared security and now you're putting your belt and your shoes probably back on. Well, that's the now part. Your flight doesn't leave for another 90 minutes. And that's the then part. So between now and then, you decide to maybe get a little bite at the cafe, some lunch perhaps, or you can even go and read a book. You might check your email. You may have a little work to do. There you're living in the meantime. Paul was too. You know, his departure flight was not scheduled yet to leave this earth. In fact, he didn't know when he'd be pushing back from the gate. And in the letter to the Philippians, he says that he's packed and ready, though. He says, for to me, living is Christ and dying is gain. And if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. And I do not know which I prefer. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and to be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for you. And he says, since I'm convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and your joy in the faith, so that I may share abundantly in your boasting in Christ Jesus when I come to you again. Notice his comment about being pressed between the two. He knew that he was living in the now, even though he preferred to live in the then. For him, it was a choice between life or death, but he knew it was not his choice to make, of course. For us, living in the meantime, well, that does not involve this choice either, one would hope. Often, however, we might feel we're on a treadmill or perhaps one of those gerbil wheels that go nowhere. We can perhaps even have that sense in the pit of our stomachs that you know, we're calmed down right now in a sea of really uncertainty. We feel like we're stuck. The winds aren't blowing, we're going nowhere, or at least that's how it feels. Well, the apostle didn't feel this way. In prison, Paul was doing time. 
But it wasn't a bad time. And even when he wasn't in prison, he knew life was no bed of roses. Paul was beaten, abused, shipwrecked, and more. Living in the meantime for him meant living in some pretty mean or hard times. But he didn't regard his gap life to be an empty life. Instead, he thought of his downtime as uptime with the Lord. To go back to that crucial moment and insight that I mentioned earlier, that a gap year is not a year off, but it's a year on. Every year of his Christian life was a year on for the Apostle Paul. And it can be that same way for us as well, unless we don't have a mission. Now, there's no doubt that there are some high school students who would blow off a gap year. They would perhaps use it as an excuse just to be lazy. But most, however, have a plan. The Apostle Paul definitely did. He was quite clear about his mission of his gap life or of that time between now and then. So in the meantime, while he waited for his death that would eventually come, or perhaps Jesus Christ to return even before then, Paul definitely had work to do. And there were people who needed Paul to fulfill that mission. Now, to learn more about his sense of purpose, we need to move to verses that follow our reading in the New Testament lesson. We know that Paul, we learn about him as he sees his mission as that of being an ambassador and working in the area of reconciliation. He says that he's one who implores or urges the people on there in verse 20. And Paul considers himself to be exclusively an ambassador for Christ. And his message is reconciliation. His mission while living between that now and then, well, it's to urge people to be reconciled to God. And obviously, he believes that there are people who are unaware that God has resolved things with them. We have been reconciled to Christ. You and I know that. Paul said that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Jesus' death and resurrection, it proved that God had taken care of all of that for us. And we knew that we couldn't contribute anything to our own salvation. That's good news for people who are ignorant in life of this. So Paul's mission is to tell them, hey, God has no issues with you. Why not be reconciled? God's ready to receive you as one of his own children. So Paul... He works as an ambassador for the kingdom of God. And his work is to get them to turn their faces to God and really to have a fresh start. He says, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. That was his mission. Now, it might not be yours. But when you're living between now and then, when you're going through a a period Perhaps maybe it's sickness or a layoff or it's an economic downturn or even a a failed relationship. Well, just what is your mission then? What is your plan? You know, we can't possibly think that God's plan, his will or his purpose for us is one of 
misdirection or confusion for us or even despair, can we? Is there a secret to successful living? When we're caught in that no man's land, maybe it's like a spiritual demilitarized zone or DMZ. The answer is yes. And Paul mentions it in our text for today. It's buried in the middle of that passage. And it's easy to miss, but it's there. The Bible's advice about living successfully in the meantime, that was a major theme for Paul. It was one that was really dominant in his writings. In our text, he reveals that mystery. And I've got the wrong reference here, but it's verses 6 and 7. Therefore, we are always confident, he says. Why can he say that? Well, he says, we live by faith. For the Apostle Paul, it was always about faith. He isn't saying that we should fake it until we make it. Rather, he's simply urging us to recall our core values and to live by them. And he's convinced that when we do that, well, our purpose and mission will reveal itself. For an illustration of that, let's turn from faith to football. I know it's a little early in the season right now because we're not there yet, just spring training. But the apostle Paul, well, with regard to football, let's think about someone else. Perhaps football's greatest ambassador, the person who the Super Bowl trophy is named after, Vince Lombardi. You know, in his best-selling biography of Lombardi, David Marinus pinpoints the moment when the Green Bay Packers went on their march to greatness. And it began in the summer of 1961. The Packers had lost the 1960 Super Bowl to the championship game against the Philadelphia Eagles when they blew a fourth-quarter lead. And Lombardi opened camp that next year, and he knew that the players were kicking themselves for that loss and they wanted to sharpen their skills. They wanted to take their game to the next level. And they were living in the meantime, the time between that humiliating defeat and in the future, hopefully to a time when they would hoist that trophy. Well, they were so close. They felt it. And every man, he really believed that. Everyone except Lombardi. And when the players came to camp that summer, He regarded them each as a blank or a clean slate. And he was going to start over with these men. And Marinus writes, Lombardi took nothing for granted. He began a tradition of starting from scratch, assuming that the players were blank slates who carried over no knowledge from the year before. He began with the most elemental statement of all. Gentlemen, as he held that pigskin in his right hand, he said, this is a football. Well, he took the team back to the fundamentals. He taught them how to block, to tackle. And under his coaching, they never lost another playoff game. They beat the New York Giants 37 to nothing that year, and they won five championships in seven years, and three in a row during one stretch. And he never coached a team, again, with a losing record. Fundamentals first, said Coach Lombardi. Well, the Apostle Paul, he would say faith first. Faith first because faith is the fundamental secret or key. 
Paul holds a faith like Lombardi held up a football. And if Paul were coaching us today, he'd probably say, friends in Christ, this is faith. Walk by it. Hold on to it. Don't drop it or let it slip from your grasp. Cling tightly to it. Defend it from all attacks. Believe in it. Carry it. And it will carry you on to victory. For those high school students who take a gap year, they do so voluntarily. But life doesn't always treat us that way, does it? Sometimes we have no choice. A gap life may be forced upon us. Something happens and suddenly we're now living between two points. One is what was and the other is what we will hope will be. Meanwhile, we have to figure that out. Paul walked by faith and so can we. Paul was an ambassador for Christ and his mission was to reconcile people to God. God has claimed you and me as his very own children. And the work he has left for us is simply to share that good news of Jesus Christ with others. Through his spirit, he's given us the faith to walk with him until we reach our then moment in heaven and in all of its glory. We know that God does have a purpose for each of us. And he's working out that purpose right now, in the meantime. Not one year but one day at a time. Let's pray about that. Heavenly Father, we thank you for blessing us and and calling us to be your children. And we ask you, Lord, to, to guide us as we go through each and every day. May we know the, the certainty of that hope that of eternal life that we await. And may we point others to Christ so that they too can join us in that hope and that joy, and that peace. Bless us, Lord, this day, for the sake of your Son. In his name we pray, amen.